Broadcasting from beautiful, tropical Vero Beach, Florida, it's Money Nation with Ed Gardner. Now here is your host of Money Nation, Ed Gardner. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Money Nation. Today's guest is Joe Cunningham, the president of Worldview Capital. Joe is based in Minneapolis, but as the company name suggests, he has an eye on the global markets. Joe originally grew up in New Hartford, New York, good upstate boy. Joe's background is multifaceted. He worked as an economist under Jude Wininsky, a famous supply sider and investment banker under Mark Combs, arguably one of the most successful emerging markets investors today. As an investment banker, Mr. Cunningham has originated and executed over $5 billion in transactions and has won numerous industry awards. Today, through the Worldview Capital, Joe manages a number of investments globally. He has in-depth experience in all aspects of portfolio management, corporate finance, and capital raising worldwide for both private and public companies. Joe has an MBA from the Thunderbolt School of Global Management and a BS from Northeastern University, where he played football. He signed as a free agent tight end with the Buffalo Bills in 1985. And I think the first question for Joe is, why are you a banker and not a pro tight end in the NFL? Welcome I, to the show. Well, no, thank you, Ed, and thanks for having me. Uh, it, you know, simple answer is I could be the fastest guy on the trading floor. I couldn't be the fastest guy on the football field. <laughs> that, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. I think you did tell me once, though, one of your favorite times uh, in, in the uh, NFL, you did four preseason games. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I think you said the, the best time you ever had, though, was when we were hanging out with Joe Ferguson. <laughs> the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Vince Ferragamo. Vince Remember Ferragamo. Vince? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Vince was a prince of a guy. He still is. He, uh, and when I got cut, he said to me, don't worry, kid. If you want, you can go, uh, you can go hang out my, uh, my beach house in Newport Beach. And there's a, there's a Rolls Royce in the garage. The keys are hanging on, on the other side of the door. Nice guy. I, like, like it. It. I, like <laughs> I remember too. I thought one of the tight ends got cut like a couple of days left. I thought you were, uh, were sured in for a job there with the bills. Well, it, it looked promising for a while, but, um, uh, and I played to be, you know, to be fair, I played the best football in my life. So if I didn't make it, I, I didn't make it. You know what I mean? I did, saw some guys that were truly spectacular. Andre Reed was a rookie. Bruce Smith were rookies. So we were kind of tight in that whole group. And, uh, you know, those guys went on to greatness. And, um, you know, I went to Wall Street. Hey, Ed, you know, in the 1980s, Wall Street wasn't a bad place to be. You're right. Got that right. I remember, too, the, uh, there was the World Football League that you could have actually played with, but you opted to go travel around Europe and hitchhike and hang out. I did. Yeah, I did. a. Uh, that kind of really uh, ignited my interest in global markets is I did a solo backpacking trip uh, or really ended up being um, uh, two different trips, one to Asia and one to, uh, through Europe. And uh, it just was an eye opener and really saw how the world works, for lack of a better phrase. and. Um, I, I think put me on a path ultimately to Thunderbird and a, a global MBA. And then, you know, I, I, uh, I went right overseas. So I was hired. So I, I'm a dual citizen. I'm an Irish uh, passport holder and a U.S. passport holder, and I speak Spanish. So I'm a Spanish-speaking dual citizen. I was hired by a French investment bank to go work in Singapore. It made perfect sense, right? So, <laughs> you know, we're – we were thinking rather broadly back in the day. And uh, I, I, so I found myself in Singapore. It's just as the global markets were 
coalescing around the, uh, the, the value model for Asia, right? China wasn't quite in the mix just then, but it was the Asian tigers. And I got to bank my way all through uh, Asia. And I, you know, it was in every country. And we did mainly um, euro bonds and debt capital markets. Uh, in fact, this is a nice little souvenir. This is a Mont Blanc pen. It's a uh, signing pen from a deal I did. The name of the deal was Bank de Gang Nagara. The pen survives. The bank wasn't quite so lucky. <laughs> hey, you got something out of that, at least. That's, that's fantastic. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Go ahead, please, Ed. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the market. We've got a, we got a lofty sure. market. We've had several guests in the past talking about it. what could derail the market. I think that's what a lot of our listeners are, are interested in. Market's been on fire. What should we watch out, watch, watch out for? Bob Carey from First Trust talked about interest rates, inflation. If the Fed started to raise the rates, that could definitely give you a correction. You're going to talk about not only that, but you're also going to talk about how you track it using tips. Uh, Treasury. Yeah, that's right, Ed. So, uh, uh, that, that's right. So, if you watched a little bit of um, 60 Minutes last night, you saw Jerome Powell was on, and he was talking very much on these themes of inflation and uh, the U.S. economy being at an inflection point uh, where it could, you know, it, depending on SARS, it could either really take off from here or we could have an issue. Uh, so the, the the virus is still the wild card in here. But um, what I do is, is uh, I watch the, um, uh, the tips, the five-year tips, and I look at the inflation premium on the tips as an indicator of what the, the uh, institutional market thinks the inflation perception is, right? So tips are an interesting one because they're a, an indexed inflation-protected Treasury bond. So, so they're, they're, like zero a bond, they're like a bond, but they have that yep. asset to that. So it's just for the listeners to understand. It. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the tips are issued by the U.S. Treasury. They have full backing but of Uncle Sam. And the five years seems the most reasonable horizon to, uh, to start to glean some useful information from. So uh, the, the tips are issued at zero coupons. And then they're traded up in the market or traded down, as the case may be, depending on inflation expectations. So they've traded as low as negative 2.4%, not 2.2%, excuse me, uh, as inflation expectations were more for towards deflationary, right? And now today that we've been seeing them trend up over the past year to where they're at a premium of 2. Uh, I think it's 2.5%, okay? The, the average is around 1.8%. So they're trading above the average expectation for inflation. And if you listen to Chairman Powell last night, 2% is kind of their uh, jumping off point for inflation. And they would have to see a sustained period of inflation at 2% or more. So what the tip is telling you is not only are we going to get to 2%, but we're likely to be trending higher um, and heading, if the trend continues, more towards a 3% inflation. And that would trigger the Fed into action. Okay, so that action would be to raise interest rates, the Fed funds rate from, say, where it is now at, at 25 basis points, right, to wherever they feel it needs to go. Now, I don't see this as a, a 1970s Fed where they're taking the punch bowl away, but I do see a fairly competent stewardship of the economy from this Federal Reserve. I think they're going to they're going to do OK and they're going to, you know, so what are they doing OK with? They're going to try to cushion any of the volatility that we might otherwise face as inflation starts to tick up. So inflation is going to be a theme, probably not much this year, but it's something to keep an eye on going forward. 
we want the spike reverse from the Lamisian spike and what would be the question and what would be a danger spike and what what levels would you become concerned uh with the five-year tips if they went to a certain level so they're, they're you know they're very definitely trending upward right so we'd like to see that curve flatten or even tick down a little bit and that can be demand uh you know it's a little softer global demand which doesn't seem likely in the united states right now um you know last year a year ago we had a supply issue you know we had plenty of goods and no demand now we've got uh a a demand issue where we have tons of demand we can't get the goods into the ports quick enough right so it's it's really flipped it's amazing yeah so we'd like to see the curve flatten a little bit start to trend down if there was like an oil shock or uh uh, a, a reemergence of SARS that might also cause the curve to, to flatten or tick down. So we're, we're just going to keep an eye on uh, on how the trend, the general trends in the commodities markets are going. And we look at you know gold, the dollar index, which is key. You have to watch the dollar index, right? Uh, the stock market, uh, oil price, those kinds of things that are, are typical indicators, early warning systems for uh, uh, for how the markets are, are heading. You know. At, at, if I could just put a little optimism into it, if, okay. if, if, where we sit here on uh, April 12th, I feel pretty good about the markets, even though they're high, we're getting into earnings season. Um, you know, our, as I just mentioned, it's really more of a demand issue right now. People have got money. They're looking to spend it. That's good for, you know, you know, hooray for the U.S. consumer, right? We're, we're, we'll save the economy again. So we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I don't feel, um, that we're necessarily, you know, like we're at all time highs. So you can argue the, the, the theme of, um, that we're overvalued, but that, that said, the markets don't seem to be, uh, behaving badly, uh, at the wow. moment. And wh- where else would you go to if, if you did want to make a change? I did talk to someone yesterday, a friend of mine that sells boats, cruise boats, got big ships, uh, tour boats and whatnot, but can't get any power boats to sell. It's completely sold out of all this inventory for this year. And he said there was a problem in the, the, the cold Texas from the chemical plants got shut down oh. and whatnot. So they couldn't get resins to finish up all these boats that are being manufactured. So once again, demand is through the roof for boating across the whole country. But something like that affected the supply. Yeah, no, and, and ultimately that's going to impact his, uh, you know, his own business profile, right? So there's a lot of stories like that. You can't buy a bicycle right now for under a thousand dollars. You can't find them, right? Yeah. If, if you got, you want to trade up and get a, you know, the Ferrari of bicycles that are out there. But for the average guy that wants to spend, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars on a bike, they're not available. People bought them. I got them. the other thing. My, my neighbor uh, does high-end custom swimming pools. He's booked out for the next eighteen months. And it's a, it, you know, it's a big, you know, those, those are real pools. So it's, it, it's yeah, it's amazing. The best business they've ever done. Some people are telling me, you know, yeah. I have a hundred percent shop bike, same, said the same thing. Can't get any bikes. He was happy to yeah. get 25 kid bikes come in, you know, uh, but very interesting. Uh, Joe, we're going to take a quick break. And remember, yeah. anyone, if you have any questions at all, you would like a free portfolio review, always feel free to give me a call or email me. You can call me at 518. 518- Two five five eight eight five four, or you can always email me at edgardner at cuttercoom We'll be right back with Money Nation. All opinions expressed by Ed Gardner and or his guests on the Money Nation show are solely Ed Gardner's and or his guests' opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Cutter and Company or any of their affiliates. 
You should not treat any opinion expressed by Ed Gardner and or guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only in as an expression of their opinion. Ed Gardner's and his guests' opinions are based on information he considers reliable, but neither Cutter & Company nor affiliates and or subsidies warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. Always talk to your financial advisor before making such decisions. Welcome back to Money Nation. We've got Joe Cunningham, CEO and President of Worldview Capital with us. Joe, um, what was your next thought you were talking about? We want to finish up with... Um... Yeah, let's just uh, uh, talk a minute um, about the U.S. trade deficit, which you know used to be an issue uh, and then just uh, kind of went away. Well, whilst we were uh, uh, snoozing through COVID, our trade deficit's now at a trillion dollars. It's by far the largest it's ever been. And it's not just that the trade deficit is big. And so, it, you know, a lot of that's China related, but a lot of it also is, you know, U.S. demand driven. We just need goods, right? So the thing with trade deficits is how do you finance them, right? So typically we would finance a trade deficit by foreigners coming into the U.S. treasury market and buying bonds. But that number has really been off because there's no yield there, right? There, there, there's no, no joy in treasuries these days. So what they've been buying is stocks. So when you look at two, and you know, this is an argument on the stock market, too much money chasing too few stocks, right? The number of stocks that are publicly listed is in half from what it was in say 2007. So, and you've got all this money coming in to buy US stocks and the, and the, and the market's been kind of bubbly, right? It's been percolating up a little bit here. So, that's how we've been financing the trade deficit. And what we have to be careful about is when the stock market looks too rich and people stop buying stocks, foreigners, right? And they, they look to bonds. And then the Fed will have to decide whether they want to raise interest rates to make the interest rates on the bonds appealing to the foreign investors to fund the, the trade deficit. So it all gets very sticky here when you're up in the uh, upper echelons of making policy and trying to balance things, these things out. That's why equilibrium as an economics concept is interesting. It almost, it's meaningless in a practical term because the markets are always just kind of jumping around and doing what markets do, right? So I thought that was an interesting uh, element of the, uh, the argument here because you could, not, not to be cheeky, but you could say it's a bubble financing a bubble. Right, it's a trade bubble financing a stock bubble. Why? It's the, why is the trade imbalance grew so much in the last couple of years? Is that well? It, it's really been in the last six or eight months. So you had the COVID thing, right? Now, if you look at the at the traffic in the ports, say in, in Baltimore on the East Coast or in, in Long Beach on the West Coast, there the, the the port of Long Beach looks like the harbor in Singapore. There's just tons of ships looking to offload goods. They can't get in quick, get in quick enough. And then the infrastructure question comes in. How well are the ports able to manage the demand, right? And can they get the stuff on a truck and get it out to the you know, warehouse and get it from the warehouse out to the stores and into the people? I mean, it's, it's a huge, huge undertaking. So, um, you know, we're going to have to study this a little bit. And I would like to have seen some of Biden's um, infrastructure bill focus on just that transportation issue, right? upgrade the ports, work with the private companies and, the, and the, a lot of these port authorities, like New York Port Authority, they're, they're managed by a quasi-governmental arm. So finance them, build, build new port facilities. So that, that, that's an interesting little element that's in the mix is the trade deficit. We'll have to keep an eye on it. And, you know, we'd like to export more. So to export more, what we've seen is the dollar index is at about 92 right now. 
under Trump, it was for most of his presidency was high. And then it really took a dive um, as we got in, in into 2020 for a variety of reasons, COVID being one of them. And now it's hanging around 92. So that should give the exporter, the U.S. exporting companies, uh, a bit of an advantage in the marketplace. Yeah, things are cheaper should, than they were before, right? It should be cheap. That's right. Against the euro and against the yen. So, you know, I, I hope we're able to take advantage of it. And those ships aren't heading back to China or to Asia with empty containers, because that's what happens. So they, they offload the containers and then they take the empty ones. They load up a ship like you saw on the Suez Canal. With that, that ship had 20,000 containers on it, by the way. Wow. 20,000. They, they load them with empty containers and ship them back. Yeah, that, 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 that uh, ship is now being held hostage, by the way. The Suez Canal Authority oh, is they're looking for like a billion dollars. I don't think the boat has a billion dollars in goods on it. Maybe they should give them the ship. But Yeah, uh, maybe they better come it, up with something. There are arguments that the Suez Canal, not to get off track here, but the Suez Canal had their pilots on the boat. So, uh, you know, ah. the boat could stalk why the pilots are really in control of that boat when it goes through. Just like in Panama, you're, you're bringing pilots on there and they drive the boat. And it's not your responsibility then. So I'm not sure how they they want to read one thing, a billion dollars. That seems a little well, I'll tell you how they came up with that. They need the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they lost money because they were shut down for those. Uh, that yeah, for sure. And, you know, Egypt just needs money. Right. Some more interesting news coming out uh, yesterday. The Amazon vote. What do you, I know your, your dad was a union leader out of Utica, New York. Is that correct? That's right. Absolutely. Operating engineers. You bet. So, union. so what do you think about the Amazon? It was voted down, uh, if we see, a day or two ago. What do you think about it? What's your thoughts it was, on uh, it? It was voted down. Uh, it was a resounding vote right. down. So it, it's, uh, it was a little shocker for me, to be honest with you. I, I, uh, I, I firmly believe that you know, labor or, or uh, employees – should have a seat at the table, right? And this was their opportunity to get that seat. So, you know, Amazon must have uh, must be paying them well or doing. There's something going on there that it, you know would well, lead people. It's the South; they don't generally go for unions. But you know, still, yeah, I was surprised. There was an individual on CNBC maybe last Thursday or Friday, and he was a professor of some university, and uh, he was talking about that he really dug into the Amazon benefits that the employees get, and he was just kind of raving about. How good they were. He goes, I, I, I would say, I would think professors at top universities, we don't have those same benefits, he said. So he was, <laughs> he, he was uh, I'm not sure what is he, pro or for or whatever, but he was talking about the benefits of the, of the Amazon employees are very, very good. And maybe that's why they said, we'll just keep what we're doing, you know? So, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there, there must be something to it or, you know, you would, you would see, um, the unions get a little, little bit fair shape. So what happens next? What could happen is this starts to um, uh, percolate into uh, national legislation. So right now, to organize a union, you have to go uh, site by site. So you, you go to the Amazon place in Shakopee, Minnesota, individually. You go to the Amazon place in Albany, New York, individually. And, and not just Amazon, but for all com companies. I think the, the, the legislation is going to modify that approach and you'll be able to go for a, a uh, more of a blanket nationwide type of vote. And that would get interesting. The process of counting the votes was also interesting. Well, Amazon got the challenge. So you, you call out the guy's name and uh, they 
two sets of ledgers, the labor's ledger and Amazon's ledger. And Amazon could object, no, he's not full-time, he's part-time, or he's on medical leave or something like that, and they cross out his vote, right? The votes were uh, anonymous, so the, nobody know who, how people voted, but it, it is a, uh, it, it's an interesting way to, to run an election, let's just say that. <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, let's switch gears here to cryptocurrency. Uh, heard on uh, CNBC today, you're gonna be able to buy a house using uh, crypto, Bitcoin, uh, maybe through your Coinbase app. Uh, did you see that all? Did you read about that at all? It's kind of interesting. Yeah, word. I, did. I, I looked into the mechanics of it. That's what I felt was was an interesting uh, element to that story. It, it's convoluted. You know, you well, you gotta have a wallet. You can't really get a mortgage uh, on it. Um, you've got so to have. Full, you're paying full asking price, like all the whole thing. Right, but it seems like you know with Bitcoin at sixty one thousand. A coin. I bet there's some people out there who could buy a pretty nice house. Five coins, you get you an average house. Probably. Yeah, exactly. Get you a house. So, the, but the mechanics are are clumsy. Uh, you you have to have an intermediary in there that can manage the uh, the transaction for you. So you you know you you've got to be a little bit more savvy of a Bitcoin uh, investor than than say I am as a dilettante. You know, I own a couple coins. You know, and uh, in fact, I own two. <laughs> two more than i have so i that's that's right okay so it is uh it, it's a funny old uh market we'll see how that uh, and, and look coinbase going public this week is going to be you know huge to uh institutionalize and legitimize the, the market so uh, that that's that's something to definitely keep an eye on it'll be a 10 billion dollar deal uh without you know tiger global the 65 billion dollar hedge fund run by uh, chase coleman who used to work for julian robertson of the tiger management they just did a raise of $6.7 billion, throwing it all into tech. Uh, they had the Roblox, they had Stripe, and now they, they own 10% of Coinbase. Interesting that so much money is still flowing to tech, you know, through big companies like Tiger Global and others. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, <laughs> there's no shortage of liquidity. That's for sure. It, you know, and if you're raising money for a private company right now, is a good time to be raising money. So there, because there, there are these funds out there and they're mega funds and they're, um, it, you know, the, the other side of that is, it, you know, these, these businesses have got to produce the value or we'll see another WeWorks, right? You don't want to uh, go down that path with, uh, uh, with a micro bank, not micro bank, micro soft bank in Japan. Yes. Where they, uh, you know, where, where they basically had to write off the whole business. Still paid the guy a billion dollars, but, you know. Another interesting back to one more last question we'll talk about here is flying cars. A uh, big thing I was reading about Peter Thiel. He was an early Facebook investor. And uh, you've got companies valued at $3 billion to $7 billion. I don't think they've even made a flying car yet, but these companies have crazy valuations. Ilium is a $3 billion. Archer Aviation is $3.6 billion valuation. They do have a billion-dollar deal with United Airlines to move people around short distances yeah. and then you got joby aviation uh, seven billion dollar again they call it flying uh craft that land and take off vertically uh translation flying car but on that joby you got reed hoffman founder linton is a big investor so got a lot of money into these uh what do, what do you you know electric cars trucks they're huge but anything about flying cars that's uh i think it's a little ways uh, off but so 
And Morgan Stanley said $670 billion industry by 2040. Little ways away. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, my first thought is that there's guys looking further down the curve than you and I. You know? <laughs> but uh, look at the Jetsons promised us flying cars in our lifetime. So uh, exactly. I guess we're going to get there. Didn't Da Vinci have sketches of flying cars like 500 years ago? Or in a helicopter. And, helicopter, uh, is that what it was? But, I mean, you know, having a, a practical um, – and you can see it happening like with the Hamptons, you know, where they helicopter in and out of uh, New York to back to South Hamptons for cocktails. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's coming. I I, um, I don't know about the valuation or what the you know once the FAA is involved, how the the market's going to look or what the uh, um, you know run runway for these guys are going to be. You know, and I mean that kind of it's a pun, but they're going to have to be flying in some pattern or another, or it's going to be it's going to get a little crazy. Kind of like the drones when they start flying, we should see more of those in the future as well. <laughs> that, they'll, they'll be happy. That, well, Joe, thank you very much for being with us. We're going to definitely have you back in the future. Love talking to you, Joe. Good seeing you. Uh, remember, anyone, any questions at all about your portfolio, your questions, if you'd like a free portfolio review, always feel free to give me a call. You can reach me at 518-255-8854 or email me at edgardner at cutterco.com. Again, thanks everyone for being with us on Money Nation. Have a great day.